Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Happy Labor Day. And thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome again. I'm Paul Perot, and thank you for joining us for the special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on listener-supported Faith Radio for this Labor Day Monday. Carmen is enjoying the day off. Hopefully you are as well. She'll be back tomorrow. Now, if you enjoy waking up to Carmen each weekday as she helps you apply the mind of Christ to the issues of the day, remember, Carmen and I can't do it without you. Mornings with Carmen, as well as all of our Faith Radio original shows, are made possible by your prayerful and financial support. One week from today, Faith Radio will start our Fall Share Fundraiser, and we hope you join in the mission of helping others connect faith to their lives in deeper and practical ways. One of those popular giving levels is Team 40. That's $40 a month. When you give at that level, you become a stable backbone of support for Faith Radio. And really, you don't have to wait until next week to make that commitment. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and make your generous gift. You can also text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. Well, again, thanks for joining us on this Labor Day. Of course, September 6th is not just Labor Day. It's also Fight Procrastination Day. For example, putting off back-to-school shopping. Okay, for many of you, your kids have already gone back to school, but for much of places like Minnesota and Wisconsin, they start tomorrow. So if you're in those communities, better hop to it. It's also National Coffee Ice Cream Day, on which I'll pass on that. I love ice cream. I enjoy coffee, just not mixed. It's also National Read-A-Book Day, and on the Jewish calendar today... Rosh Hashanah, or will be at sunset tonight. It'll become the first day of the month of Tishri, the Jewish New Year, and it will be year 5781. Well, coming up in this hour on Mornings with Carmen, how are you doing? Maybe this past year and a half with COVID and now the resurgence of the Delta variant and all the craziness around that has left you traumatized, or you're dealing with other matters that have left you traumatized. Well, then you think of the trauma that people fleeing places like Afghanistan are feeling right now, or those stuck there in fear of the Taliban. Things like post-traumatic stress disorder or even complex trauma disorders are a real problem. But there is healing available, and the Bible can play a key role. Coming up in about half an hour, we're going to listen again to Carmen's conversation with Dr. Phil Monroe. He serves with the American Bible Society and their Trauma Healing Institute. But first, on this Labor Day, do you sometimes feel your workplace is a place of spiritual warfare? <laughs> Maybe that's because it often is. Carmen and Dave Buring from Lionshare will talk about that in one minute here on this Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio.
Dave Furing is back from Lion Share. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Spiritual warfare. Dave, there's a good conversation starter for a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. That's a word that uh, can trigger all kinds of thoughts. Right, exactly. So spiritual warfare, you know, I, I would say you don't say those words um, without triggering a response um, in a conversation around you. And I think that as soon as we assert, hey, I'm experiencing spiritual warfare at work, um, then we have gotten ourselves into um, pretty deep water. So talk with us just about even getting this conversation going. If I am experiencing something, now, I mean, you know, I'm so blessed to work in a um, in a Christian workplace, like right where right. Christians, you know, are present and what we're doing is advancing the Christian gospel in and through what we do. And so um, this is a different conversation than I might be having, you know, if I have conflict in my workplace. But there are a lot of people, I mean, and I know a lot of people who experience intense spiritual warfare in the workplace. Yeah. And I think, you know, first of all, Carmen, it goes back to the simplicity of do we even believe the devil's real, right? Because the Bible talks about the devil and how Jesus had encountered him and overcome him. And I think sometimes I find throughout the body of Christ, there's two extremes. There's either the extreme of he's not really there. He's just a guy with horns and, you know, a long tail, but there's no influence that he has in the world today. And then you got the other extreme that, you know, when the file cabinet drawer doesn't open, there's, you're sure a demon's holding it shut. And and in the Bible, there is uh, the balance of warfare. You know, like it, so many things in the Bible, there's the balance of so many things. And so it's not that 20 to 30 percent on the the left hand side or the right hand side. It's that middle 50 percent that's truth. And I think when you start even talking about this subject, we have to realize that John 10, 10, Jesus told us the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Like that's his mission statement. And the reality of it is that affects our family life, that affects our personal lives, our calling, our destiny, and our workplace. So I think that's a place to start is do we really take time to recognize that could be the source of what's going on? I'm so glad you referenced John 1010. I think that we, you know, often only quote the other part of the verse, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, Jesus yeah. came to give life and yep. give it abundantly. We don't, uh, yep. we don't often quote the part of the verse that talks about there being a very real enemy that comes to kill and steal and destroy. Um, yeah. And keeping that in view and in mind is so essential. One of the things that um, I know that you highlight in this conversation is that there is this very real, real spiritual war going on, and you lift up this extended passage from Ephesians chapter six. Um, let's um, let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah, so Ephesians chapter 6, it, it says, um, I'm going to read just a few portions of it here, Carmen. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So that tells us a couple things, doesn't it? It talks about that we we win this thing because of the Lord and his mighty power, and we're to to walk strongly in that. It gives us something to do, put on the full armor of God. And if we're not familiar with that, take a look at Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, but it talks about putting on the the breastplate of righteousness, putting on, you know, uh, the belt of truth around us, putting on the shoes of the readiness, of the gospel of peace, these kinds of things. 
And the other thing it says in this portion that I think is interesting is so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And for us to realize that there is a scheming, so let me make it stronger, a demonic scheming to try to get us away from God's presence, to get us away from doing the will of God, to get us away from walking in the ways of God or how God does things, and to just get us away from fulfilling the purposes of God in our life. You see, the enemy knows that when we've given our life to Jesus, that's secure. Our, our long-term destiny in heaven is secure. But if he can mess with us on the way and hinder us from reflecting what Jesus looks like to the world around us and advancing God's kingdom, for him, it's a win. So we have to realize that God is stronger. He's told us to put on our armor daily. And we have to realize that the devil does scheme. The devil does scheme, indeed. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment, and we're going to actually uh, we're going to we're going to actually consider what are some of the spiritual muscles we need to develop in order that we can uh, engage in spiritual warfare in the workplace today. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Dave Buring from LionShare. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. You can actually download the Spiritual uh, Warfare at Work um, ebook, Spiritual Warfare in the Workplace 10 Scriptural Weapons to Win the War at Work, right there um, at lionshare.org. Dave, let's talk through some things on this list of. 10 scriptural weapons that God provides uh, that we need to become proficient at using. You know, it's one thing for me to say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. It's another thing for me to actually know what those pieces of armor are and to intentionally put them on every day and to become proficient in using them. I like the list that you have made, which leads off with living a godly life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, Carmen, there's areas that we have to realize where the enemy will tempt us at work, you know, tempt us, whether it's to have a bad attitude or, you know, if I just take this, nobody will see, or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, looking the other way when a teammate's need is staring me in the face, you know, it's we're tempted just to not engage or to, to steal, all that kind of stuff. Lie. But then there's another place that I feel like is the number one place where the enemy will try to hinder us at work. And that has to do with um, like dividing people. And the number one way I think that we can tend that is by just living a godly life in our personal life so that when we go to work, we're not, you know, we're not living a different life. Like the word integrity means integrated, that, that I'm the same I'm living the same way alone at home with friends as I do in this case on the job. And so it's living that godly life consistently where there's integrity, there's faithfulness, there's gentleness, there's understanding, there's working towards unity, there's working towards um, oneness of heart, there's reconciliation of relationships. That's, that's part of living a godly life. And when you do that habitually, 
everywhere else, guess what? It's going to show up on the job as well. And it's one of the ways then the enemy knows he can't get at you because you're going to catch that thing and walk rightly. Yeah, that integrity conversation is a big one. Um, You know, am I living a fully integrated life? Am I the same person, uh, you know, at church and at home and at work and in the stands of the ball field and at the tailgate party and on the highway and on and on and on? That's a really good one. Um, The second one then here on the list, and again, if you want to grab this resource, you can download it from lionshare.org, Spiritual Warfare in the Workplace. Um, The second thing that you list here is the armor of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think this is something that, you know, when we read it there in Ephesians, uh, I, I don't know that we take it to heart as as like an actual, like you put on your clothes, put on your spiritual armor each day. But there's a very real, let's call it spiritual um, exchange that goes on. It's just like when you repent for something the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, there's a spiritual transaction in faith that goes on when you confess your sins, that God has forgiven you. Well, the same thing applies here to, to the armor of God, that when you put on that helmet of salvation each day, and, and this is something that I will do, it's like I kind of imagine you know, putting on warrior clothing. That's kind of how it does it for me. So I, it's like I put on this helmet and I realize, okay, this helps me from the darts of thoughts where I don't need to be. And it protects my my mind. When I put on the breastplate of righteousness, it guards my heart, that core place of me, so the enemy can't get at that. uh, Putting on the, the belt of truth reminds me that this is in my innermost parts, those vulnerable parts, that that belt reminds me from the innermost parts of my being, God, help me walk in truth, not just on the outside, but on the inside. When I put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, it reminds me that today in the relationships that I'm in, I can be a peace bearer. I'm the one that can be the reconciler. It's, it's doing the work of Jesus, but I, there's a readiness to it. My shoes are on, I'm ready. And it talks about taking the shield of faith, which again, it extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil. And so if there's times that I don't feel like it, but it's still the shield of not feelings, <laughs> of faith, that I can stick it out there and resist those arrows that are coming my way. So it's a proactive thing. And then, of course, it talks about taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so it's learning how to be in the Word enough that the Holy Spirit has the ability to draw what He's put in you out, and so that you can use that sword appropriately, which would be saying, you know, okay, I, I, it's quoting scripture back into the situation over your life. And then the last one here, which people often miss is just, it's with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. And so there's an alertness part. So you think of a warrior that's all armored up, they're alert, they're aware to what's going on. Yeah, there's a vigilance to that last um, phrase in in the yes. full armor of God passage in Ephesians 6. I think that the you know, the praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all uh, all God's people or all the Lord's people. Yes. Um, there's a—that keeps me mindful that, you know, this is not just me uh, all armored up 
this is me in Christ all armored up, and this is me in Christ alongside every other Christian all armored up. Like, there is nothing about this that is supposed to be solitary and, you know, the Lone Ranger version of Christianity. And so our connectedness with one another is really, really important, um, which I recognize gets us down on your list to number six, which is unity, but I don't want to skip over intercessory prayer, the scriptures, and the name and the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'll just touch on six there quick. Yeah. Yeah. We have to realize that one of the strategies that Satan has is to divide. I mean, we're watching it in our country right now. And and again, this is the kind of thing that we can look at the political environment. We can look at the racial environment. We can look at all the economic stuff going on, all these things. And, and we like, like my challenge to our listeners is all the dynamics that we just mentioned, the political, the racial, the economic and more all apply. But do we at least have one lens that we look at this through the eyes of spiritual warfare and realize the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And and one of the places that this has happened in the whole COVID year and all that kind of thing is, is within the body of Christ. And that needs to be a place that, like Paul exhorts us to maintain, Ephesians, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Like it's our job to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. And so we have to realize that it's really, really important that we make an effort to do that. And so the unity piece is a very, very important piece. So there's so much, um, so much good here that we could uh, continue to cover, Dave. Uh, again, let me encourage everybody that's listening to go to lionshare.org and download the Spiritual Warfare in the Workplace um, booklet. It's it's free, it's downloadable, and it, and you will really have a wonderful, encouraging spiritual experience unpacking each of these. We're going to lay down our life in obedience. We're going to rise up in thanksgiving, praise, and worship. We are going to develop the word of our testimony, and we're going to preach the gospel, sharing the life of Jesus with others um, in our workplace and everywhere else. You can get a copy of the free ebook, Spiritual Warfare in the Workplace, at lionshare.org. Dave, as always, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Such important equipping. Thanks, Carmen. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. Well, again, happy Labor Day Monday. I'm Paul Perot. Thanks for waking up with us to the best of mornings with Carmen LeBurge on listener-supported Faith Radio. If you're listening to our last conversation Carmen had with Dave Buring on spiritual warfare in the workplace, that first aired on July 26th. There were two additional conversations Carmen had with David about this issue where David offered more practical ways of applying scripture and prayer in your workplace. They aired on August 9th and 23rd, and the podcast of both are available at MyFaithRadio.com and on the Faith Radio app. Actually, all three conversations are. Well, we're going to break for news next. And when we get back, how powerful is God's Word in healing the traumas in our lives? Carmen will be talking with Dr. Phil Monroe of the American Bible Society's Trauma Healing Institute. That's five minutes away on this Best of Mornings with Carmen LaVerge here on listener-supported Faith Radio. How bold are your prayers? This is Max Lucado. As John Wesley crossed the Atlantic, he was reading in his cabin and became aware of heavy winds knocking the ship off course. He responded in prayer. A colleague wrote it down, Almighty and everlasting God, 
Thou holdest the winds in thy fists, and sittest upon the water floods. Command those winds and these waves that they obey thee. Take us speedily and safely to the haven whither we would go. Having offered the prayer, Wesley took up his book and continued reading. On deck, his colleague found calm winds and the ship on course. Wesley made no mention of the answered prayer. His friend wrote, So fully did he expect to be heard that he took it for granted. He was heard. How bold are your prayers? All right, joining me now, Dr. Phil Monroe. He is a psychologist. He's the director of the Trauma Healing Institute at the American Bible Society. He is a visiting professor of counseling at Missio Seminary, on and on and on and on. He, um, he certainly knows the subject matter we're talking about today, and he's going to help equip us to help our communities find hope through Bible-based trauma healing. Phil, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Great to be here. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Let's um, let's start with something a little bit uh, diagnostic. So here will be the question. Doctor, 18 months into the mess that we call COVID, how are we really doing? Well, that's a great question. And of course, there's a wide range of answers there. But I think we can say with great confidence that a lot of people are still hurting. There are those who are really anxious about getting back to work or having their kids go to school this fall. There are others who are unsure whether they want to be vaccinated. There are others still who are still reeling economically and haven't been able to pay their rent and don't have the jobs that they need in order to put food on the table. And then many of us have struggled to get back to church in places where we feel safe and comfortable because we're just not sure if there's another wave coming. Yeah, and I think we'd add to that all of the relational stress that's piled up, um, all of the missed, the things that individuals missed out on and families missed doing. And, you know, in addition to all of the grief, there's a lot of grief. And, you know, and frankly, you know, everybody got fat. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like, I mean, just, (laughs) just, just a lot. There's just a lot. There are literally layers and layers and layers of the ways in which we're not doing very well 18 months into this. Um, I think that as people of faith, we want to be people of hope. We want uh, not only to you know embrace the hope available to us as Christians, but we want to extend that to others. And I feel like, you know, there was this like light at the proverbial end of the tunnel and everybody was hanging their hope on things getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. It feels like now with uh, the Delta variant, it feels like that light's been turned off. So Absolutely. so Absolutely. talk with us about that just in terms of how we address this new sense of, well, we don't have a hope in that now, so we got to find a better hope. You're absolutely right. And it can be so depleting, defeating, demoralizing to think you're almost there and no, you're not. And even when you do come out on the other side, oftentimes we look around and we really then are only able to take stock of what we lost, of what is not going to return back to some previous normal. 
um, that is an important part of actually beginning the healing journey is beginning to acknowledge the wounds, the losses, the griefs, the traumas that we've experienced and that others have experienced. Um, that really is a huge part of uh, actually our journey of people of faith is lamenting. And thankfully, the Lord has given us tons of uh, words in scripture from a third of the Psalms to Lamentations to the book of Job to even Jesus' cries of lament. We are made to lament, to bring our complaints to God and to our neighbors. And that's really part of the way forward for us all. All right, so that actually gets us into the conversation about what is Bible-based trauma healing and how it's different than secular options. Maybe we take a step back and define trauma. Trauma is, in simple terms, a wound of the heart that takes a long time to heal. It, it can not be so much an event, but the experience of a difficult event that left us feeling helpless, horror, or just a, a sense that life was never able to get back, um, where we maybe felt like we lost our voice. So there's lots of different things that can cause trauma, everything from an interpersonal betrayal, like a, an assault or rape, but also things like a sudden loss and death, or a sense that maybe people around us uh, died, but we are surviving and we feel guilty about that. All of these things can be something that creates trauma and when we know we have trauma, usually there are some things that are happening. First off, we find ourselves reliving this awful event or events. We find ourselves trying to shut it down, just not being able to, trying not to think about it. And maybe we shut it down with drugs or food or Netflix or something that we're just trying not to think. But it keeps coming back. And so we find ourselves in this always on alert state, um, irritable uh, looking for the next thing to fall apart. And so that's where, you know, I think we can recognize if we are there ourselves, like we probably know that about ourselves. Um, but we also, it's it's pretty easy for us to recognize it in other people. Like it's really easy for me to recognize when someone who I love, who I'm around enough to know them well, um, is not operating in the present moment. There, what, there's something in the past that has intruded into the present in a way that has disrupted whatever is actually going on in the present. And so when I experience that, you know, part of what I would like to be equipped to do is know how to take that next step. Um, how do I say it feels like there's something going on right now that doesn't have anything to do with what's going on right now? Um, I don't even know if that's appropriate. Like, help help me be more equipped to help others um, move toward what we're talking about in terms of a healing journey. Right. You're so right. It's easier to see in some people, and there are some that are much more obvious. But maybe you're seeing it in somebody who just is shut down. This is a person who used to be someone who was talkative, extroverted, but now they seem to be shut down, isolated, disconnected. Um, their emotions are muted. Um, other places, maybe they're angry all of a sudden, explosively so, and then uh, going back into isolation again. So one of the things that we can do just as a friend is, of course, to acknowledge something's happening, saying, can we talk? I'd love to be able to hear what's going on for you. 
And there are three simple questions that you could ask that we use in our, our Bible-based trauma healing program is, what's happening or what happened? How is that making you feel? What's been the hardest part? Those three simple questions can help someone open up and begin to talk about what's been blocked up inside them. Mm, that's so good. All right. Uh, so let me direct people to the website so that they can find uh, resources that we're discussing today. You guys can check out traumahealinginstitute.org. It is a ministry of the American Bible Society. We are talking with Dr. Phil Monroe, who heads up the Trauma Healing Institute um, for the ABS. So um, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, let's let's dig around into what is Bible-based trauma healing and, and how does it differ or what differentiates it from maybe more secular options. So that conversation up next with Dr. Phil Monroe. We'll be right back. We are here. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Phil Monroe from the American Bible Society's Trauma Healing Institute. Um, So, Phil, what is the Trauma Healing Institute? What is Bible-based trauma healing? And what differentiates it from maybe more secular options? Great question. So, Bible-based trauma healing brings together biblical material about our suffering along with basic mental health practices together into uh, a curriculum that allows people to come together and to discover what the Bible has to offer for us in our time of pain and our look for hope and healing. Um, The Bible is about restoring hope and restoring our hearts. And so we want to bring those two things together so that people can understand what's going on inside them. Um, This trauma healing program actually is a gift to us in the United States from Africa. It began in the late 1990s after the Civil War in uh, Congo when pastors were wondering, what can we do to help our people? And out of that, these lessons were formed um, and it allows people to look at their culture, their faith, the scriptures to practice some basic things that can help them begin the healing journey. And so the Trauma Healing Institute has been supporting that, and uh, American Bible Society has been supporting that effort since 2010 to help build out now about 20,000 facilitators who have been certified to use the materials for children, for teens, for adults all around the world. Yeah, I I appreciate that it's global in nature. I also appreciate that it that this is one of those gifts of brothers and sisters in Christ in another part of the world that has flowed back to the United States of America. And I love that. I love that the leading edge of evangelism and discipleship, um, you know, where we once may have thought, okay, it's just going to go out geographically from uh, you know, from Jerusalem to Samaria and and beyond there to the ends of the earth, and that would have been here. And then you know, we had this hundred years where the gospel flowed from here, the U.S., you know, back to the rest of the world as the ends of the earth. But I really feel like the resources that are coming into the conversation today from the church around the world are often just exactly what we need at just the right time. And so thank you for um, that part of this story as well. Um, yeah, yeah what it's can, been really helpful. 
So when we talk about Bible-based trauma healing, um, one of the things that you touched on already is lament, bringing our complaints to God. What would other parts of, uh, of the conversation include? Well, yes, starting to bring our laments to God, but even in our laments is an act of worship because it is a talking to God about our pain and talking to our neighbors and really honoring each other uh, in the grief journey that um, anybody who's suffering trauma is going through. And so we are able to uh, help people begin to express that to each other, but then bring their pain to God. Um, we in the trauma healing uh, program have a, a small ceremony that helps people express their pain to God, to bring it, to really nail it to the cross. And now this isn't a magical event. This isn't a once and done kind of thing any more than it is going to church on Sunday and repeating the Lord's Prayer. It really is an attempt to say, Lord, you know, you see, you have participated in suffering with me and I give it back to you. So that's one uh, helpful activity. But then as people begin to heal, they may find that they need to talk about things like, how do I live in a relationship with people who have harmed me? How do I forgive? How do I deal with uh, topical issues such as domestic abuse or addictions or suicide and things like that that also are related to this topic of trauma? It's it's so hard to imagine um some of the places and spaces in the world where, you know, neighbors have literally butchered each other. And yet they can, they can in Christ live in community on the other side of that. It's, it's, it's so hard for us to um, imagine the grief that people have experienced in some places. And yet I look at the hostility between neighbors here in the United States. I look at the, uh, the deep divisions that we have here. And I say to myself, you know, we cut people up with rhetoric um, and we cut people up on social media and we cancel one another in the culture in ways that are, you know, frankly, just as effective uh, in many cases in terms of tearing people down in their spirit and in community um, as as has happened elsewhere. So when we talk about the trauma that people maybe are experiencing here in huge numbers, um, it is not quite like uh, the the trauma that people have experienced in other parts of the world, but the answers are the same. I would totally agree. Having traveled to Rwanda and uh, met with my brothers and sisters there who have gone through a genocide in 1994, where they did literally cut each other up uh, over a hundred days and a million people lost their lives. I have watched how they've healed and, you know, in similar ways, they had to set aside rhetoric. They had to see each other as humans made in the image of God, people of great beauty and value to God and therefore to each other, and begin to listen to each other, begin to see each other as people, not as objects or as belief systems. Mm, So good. So I've read an article that uh, you have posted at the Christian Post. If folks want to read it, Uh, You can go to ChristianPost.com. The article is Hope and Happiness. We're beginning to heal, but are we thriving? Um, Talk with us uh, about the difference or the distance between, you know, sort of hope and moving in the direction of hope and actual thriving. And then if you would, offer to people the three things that we can do, even when life is hard and it's not as we expected it to be. 
Yeah, I think I'll start with a little example. Probably most of us have had some physical injury that we needed to recover from. And a wound of the heart is not unlike uh, that kind of injury. And maybe you knew that it was going to take some time and you had a cast on or something like that that hindered you from really starting to you know, begin to work that part of the body again. But after a while, you began to exercise again, and you realized just how far you had to go to get back to something that might resemble normalcy. And most of us at that time can feel a little bit depressed or discouraged. Um, you know, it, it takes time. We may not be thriving. We may be doing some of the things we used to do, but we still feel under the heavy weight of the pandemic and the things that were lost in our relationships, that were lost in our society and our culture over the same period of time. We might wonder if our friends are really our friends anymore, right? Um, so what can we do in order to flourish? Well, it's flourishing is not just something that happens to you. It's something you actually have to actively go get. Um, you have to really take hold of. And the same thing with hope. Hope is not a passive state that comes to you. You have to go pursue it. So actually the way up is down. And that is to acknowledge our wounds, something I talked about a little bit before, where we are able to acknowledge what is lost and listen to the losses of others. And some of those losses that others may speak of, especially people who might not be in our communities, are things that we might be resistant and hesitant to hear. But I would encourage each other to hold space for that. But as we acknowledge what we've lost, the Bible is also replete with stories of what God has done in the past. And we have our own stories, right? We have our stories that we can tell. And actually, part of the healing process is telling the story of loss and survival. Well, you know, this is what Joseph does. What you intended for evil, God has intended for good. So it doesn't mean that everything that happened to us is good, but there is a story of God's care for us in the process. And to do all this, to lament and to tell these stories, we need our community, right? So find people around you, who can be your body of Christ, who will do these things with and for you. This is essential. We cannot go it alone. Yeah, trauma recovery is not something, uh, this journey of healing is not something that happens all by ourselves, even in the, you know, even in the quiet uh, with the Lord, our God. So we want to encourage you, um, if you are experiencing or have experienced trauma, um, we would love for you to access the trauma healing that is available, traumahealinginstitute.org. Maybe you are a part of a worshiping community where you might like to bring this into the life of your church. Uh, there's ways to do that as well. There are 20,000 facilitators equipped worldwide in the, um, uh, in the practice of Bible-based trauma healing through the American Bible Society's Trauma Healing Ministry. Dr. Phil Monroe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. Well, that's almost a wrap for the special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio for this Labor Day Monday. I'm Paul Perot. Carmen returns tomorrow for the day after Labor Day, or as I like to call it, pumpkin spice opener. Yeah, I know, pumpkin spice offerings have been out for a few weeks at a lot of those coffee shops and such, but I really don't like to rush things. Let's get past summer first, right? 
If you enjoyed this best of show, remember all of Carmen's conversations on Mornings with Carmen can be found in shareable podcast form at both MyFaithRadio.com and on the Faith Radio app. The app, the podcast, all we do here at Faith Radio is free to you, but understand that we rely on people like you to help make it happen. We are listener supported, and we are thankful for the thousands of faithful givers to Faith Radio who help to make all we do, including the production and distribution of all our original Faith Radio programs like Mornings with Carmen, Susie Larson Live, Afternoons with Bill, those weekday shows, plus some special weekend programs like the Dr. Linda Mintel Show, Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, Real Recovery, and more. Yes, it all happens because of you and your faithful support. So if you're not already a giving family member, hey, join us in the mission of helping others connect their faith in Jesus to their everyday life with your generous gift. Our Fall Share fundraiser starts a week from today, but you really don't have to wait. Make your gift or ongoing monthly commitment to Faith Radio now at MyFaithRadio.com or text the word GIVE to 877-933-2400. Eight, four. Again, I'm Paul Perot. Thank you for listening to the special Best of Mornings with Carmen on this Labor Day Monday on listener-supported Faith Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.